Principle one, choose courage over fear. A starting place. I have an ongoing debate with my friend Trey Bowles about whether people are born with the entrepreneurial instinct or if anyone can be taught the way of the entrepreneur. We've discussed this question with our fellow entrepreneurial friends and their answers vary based upon their personal experiences. Certain personality traits certainly lend themselves to helping on the entrepreneurial journey, but there are plenty of stories about people who used entrepreneurship as a way of survival, learning the necessary skills along the way. But regardless of where they eventually land on that question, all entrepreneurs acknowledge that no one will become an entrepreneur without one very, very specific trait, and that is the courage to start the journey. After the airline I co-founded was acquired, I decided to change my vocation from building businesses to supporting the people who are building businesses. Now I have the privilege of working alongside entrepreneurs as a coach, helping them connect their personal and professional lives on the longest journey in the world, and that's the 18 inches between their hearts and their minds. In doing so, I get to hear their stories and influence their journeys. They come from every kind of socioeconomic or educational background, race, religion, and sexual orientation. They are a living testament that there isn't a one-size-fits-all description of an entrepreneur. This is not to say they all start equally. In fact, quite the contrary. Everyone's starting line is placed according to their birth lottery. Some end up placed a few meters ahead of the official start line, some are a few meters behind, and some outside the stadium with one hand tied behind their back, missing a shoe. I started out my life ahead of many others, born as a white man in the United States. However, I wasn't fully aware of that privilege until my father was sentenced to 20 years in prison when I was 16. Suddenly, my upper middle class life was ruptured irrevocably. I was moved to the back of the pack. I didn't have a clue how to operate in this new, less privileged position. But I had to learn, and I had to learn fast. Talk about bearing risk. Not only did I have to learn how to survive, but I also needed to learn a whole new way of operating if I was ever going to accomplish my dreams. I didn't know it at the time, but entrepreneurship was the bridge that would allow me to cross the chasm between the world that had been handed to me and the world I wanted, although the journey would be even more treacherous than I had imagined. I am writing this book because I want to help you make that excursion yourself to cross the chasm between the world you've been handed and the one you dream about. Wherever you're starting from and whatever you bring to the table, I want to remind you that you are equipped to make a positive impact on this world. But in order to do it, you'll need to see yourself as an entrepreneur and not just any entrepreneur, but a good entrepreneur. I've learned firsthand that entrepreneurship is not a sprint or a marathon. It's more like an Ironman triathlon. The journey gives plenty of time for those whose lot in life left them behind the starting line to catch up, and it only yields to those who refuse to quit. The starting point may differ, but the process levels the playing field. It gives everyone the chance to tear down society's norms, lay waste to the powers that be, and leave a dent in the universe. But only those of us who can tap into the courage to start will find out how the race is run. The Entrepreneurial Journey let me let you in on a secret. Good entrepreneurs choose courage over fear. It's what sets them apart because quite frankly, this entrepreneurial journey that I'm inviting you on is not for the faint of heart. Picture yourself at the start of this road. It often begins with frustration and more frequently desperation. But from the very beginning, you are required to make risky decisions. And the first is to decide between two choices, give into the fear or get going. Courage helps you do the latter, and since desperation is often the mother of invention, a solution arises. A gadget, a service, a piece of software, or maybe a whole new category of industry is dreamed up. 
The entrepreneur inside of you begins to emerge at this point, and then courage carries you forward. You share the idea with your close friends, but only the ones that won't make fun of you too much. Why hasn't anyone thought of this? You ask them. It would make our lives so much easier. They agree and encourage you to take the next step, to find out what it would take to keep going and to keep growing and turn this fiction into reality. That momentum carries you so swiftly that you begin to be led by it. And before you know it, you're dreaming up names, buying URLs, and wondering how your Wikipedia entry will read once the world recognizes your genius. You begin mentally burning your metaphorical boats, quitting your job, cashing out your 401k, asking friends and family for money, and declaring with confidence that you finally found what will give you purpose in this world. And then you launch. You put your heart's work out into the world and suddenly momentum isn't as easy to come by. You find yourself falling ever so quickly into what I call the trough of despair, <laughs> wondering why you ever quit your safe, okay paying job and your overbearing boss. Your inner critic starts to whisper in your ear, hey, you were never cut out for this. Why were you such a fool cashing out your entire 401k? Did you really think you could make this work? Hey, can you eat rice and beans for the rest of your life? And you consider turning back, but it's too late for that now. You are halfway down the path now. This is where the rubber meets the road. It's here on the entrepreneurial journey that we are truly tested. But it's through this testing that we get to see what we're really made of. You could begin the slow uphill battle, manipulating yourself and others to move your business forward. And all for what? So that you can wake up tomorrow morning to fight another day? Or you could choose another path. One that leads into the courage that motivated you in the first place. One that doesn't give into quick fixes or desperate attempts. One that moves you toward meaning. If you can find the courage to start walking that path, then you're one step closer to becoming the good entrepreneur that this world needs. Looking back. Choosing courage over fear isn't a new concept in entrepreneurship. In fact, it's been the motivation for entrepreneurs for thousands of years. It's given them the power to solve the world's greatest problems, to shape the culture we're living in, and to irrevocably change the course of history forever. That might sound like hyperbole, but I assure you it is not. How do I know? Because we have thousands of years of evidence pointing to the entrepreneurial spirit as a catalyst for growth in humankind. In every business, corporation, or position, it's that courage, that entrepreneurial spirit that first pushed them forward to progress. Not convinced? Well, let's take a look at our past. The first inventions crafted by humans were stone tools some two and a half million years ago. The second invention was fire some 1.7 million years ago. The third and arguably most important invention in the history of human development was entrepreneurship in the form of trading estuarian snail shells called Nessarius some 80,000 years ago. The shells had human-made holes suggesting use as jewelry. Either people went to sea and collected them, or more likely marine shell beads helped create and maintain exchange networks between coastal and inland peoples, says Francisco Duraco, lead author and director of research at the French National Center for Scientific Research. But these shells tell a story well beyond ornamental use. Scientists believe that the shells represent a technology used to communicate through a coded language. This advancement in humankind indicates advanced intelligence and the development of behaviors that might link to the spread of humans out of Africa. 
Keep in mind that at this point in human history, Homo sapiens, Latin for wise man, and Neanderthals shared the earth. In fact, one of the theories regarding the extinction of Neanderthals is violent conflict over limited resources. Contrast that to Homo sapiens who established a division of labor through the bearing of risk, entrepreneurship, allowing isolated tribes to benefit from the resulting efficiency. By learning to trade, humans divided labor in an exchange that allowed both parties to walk away better off because of it. A tiny snail ushered in a new way of thinking, one that would forever change the trajectory of humankind. That was entrepreneurship at its genesis. Fast forward to around 6,000 BC, when our Egyptian ancestors settled in the Nile Delta. Bearing the risk of moving to a new land had been worth it for these settlers, for the floodplains they migrated to contained the perfect agricultural ingredients of water and nutrient-rich soil to grow crops plentifully. In addition, they found security. With the technology of transport limited to what you could carry yourself, it was impossible for a hostile force, whether a predator or warring tribe, to approach without being detected. For one of the first times in the history of humans, we weren't spending the majority of our time seeking shelter and food. This combination of food, surplus, and security also gave way to a surplus of labor. We were able to spend time on pursuits other than simply surviving. Attention could be focused on things like irrigation canals, building an army, and creating additional inventions from metallurgy to writing. Are you seeing how entrepreneurship, the solving of problems through taking calculated risk, allowed humans to evolve and progress? Over the next several thousand years, societies leveraged excess labor to build pyramids, create and maintain the Alexandrian Library with the equivalent of 100,000 books, and replace wood and stone tools with copper. Around 2000 BC, cities started to appear around the world, concentrated mainly around rivers such as the Nile, Tigris, Euphrates, Indus, Yellow, and Yangtze. Trade routes were established between these cities, and some became large with up to 50,000 people in cities like Uruk and Samaria, or modern-day Iraq. Individual skilled labor was still the primary means of entrepreneurship, but a new class of entrepreneur was trading coffee, lemons, and oranges from Arabia to Europe, salt from Africa across the Roman Empire, and sharing complex ideas like the Arabic number system brought to Europe by Leonardo Fibonacci. See, even math teachers can be entrepreneurs. Prior to this point in history, we don't know most of the names of these entrepreneurs. Instead, we think of them as a conglomeration of individuals whose courageous first steps moved humanity forward. However, in 1712, progress accelerated in ways no one could have imagined. Thomas Savory, an engineer from England, conceived the steam engine. And in doing so, he helped in creating the first ever hockey stick growth in terms of human development. Picture a graph in the shape of a hockey stick. This is the turning point where growth starts and when there's no turning back. The first steam engine was used to pump water out of coal mines, allowing them to dig deeper and mine more coal. It was the first self-powering technology. The more powerful the steam engine, the more coal it could produce, and that in turn lowered the costs of the coal used to power it. And unlike wind and water, coal was a solid object that was used for power, smelting, and transport far from the location where it was mined. By 1800, the technology had matured enough that steel became available in high volumes. Steam engines became smaller and powerful enough to move steamships and locomotives, lowering the cost and increasing the speed of delivery of goods at a rate that had never been seen before. Savory couldn't have possibly understood the implications of his inventions at the time, but he changed the course of history with it. This entrepreneur became the catalyst for the fastest increase in humanity's quality of life that the world had ever seen up to this point. Luke 
Muehlhauser, a researcher who studies risk to human civilization, created a graph that I'll describe to you. It's in the book, but I'll describe it to you. You can download it from my website that shows six different metrics for human well-being. The six metrics he charted were life expectancy, gross domestic product per capita, the percentage of the population living in extreme poverty, war-making capacity, a measure of technological advancement for which we have the most historical data, energy capture, which reflects access to food, livestock, firewood, and the modern-day electricity, and the percentage of people living in democracy. So he took this graph, he took all of those components, basically like a life index, and he graphed it out from a thousand years prior to Jesus walking on this earth. So he took all that data, he put it on a graph, and the graph shows from a thousand years before Jesus to current day, all of those metrics. And basically it's a flat line from a thousand years before Jesus until 1700, 1800s area. And then every one of those goes up exponentially. So this graph shows that humanity did not really grow at all for several thousand years. And then with the invention of the steam engine, you can see the growth. So anyway, so download it from my website. If you want to take a peek at it, it's a super cool graph to think about just the impact from an entrepreneurial perspective you can have. Can you imagine that 1700 years after Jesus walked the earth, there had not been much measurable progress for all of humanity? Savory's step of courage changed all of that. It jump-started the engine of progress. Fast forward another 150 years, and entrepreneurs like Andrew Carnegie, J.P. Morgan, John D. Rockefeller, and Henry Ford leveraged these powerful forces to continue to move society forward. They may not have even used the word entrepreneur, but they used their talents and gifts to take calculated risks for the good of all. With the benefit of hindsight, we can look back at this very short period from 1700 to 1900, just 200 years, and marvel at the power of entrepreneurship. The steam engine kicked off the Industrial Revolution and in turn changed the course of humanity. What could be possible if you bore a risk as they did? What's at stake? This type of advancement has been increasing at a rapid rate ever since the Industrial Revolution. Take a minute and think of the implications of this. In 1970, only 50 years ago at the time of writing of this book, there was no internet, no space shuttle, no MRI, and no Prozac. Only 20 years ago, there was no iPhone, no GPS, no digital camera, no Tesla, and no Instagram. Because of entrepreneurs, a journey from London to Wales, which in 1800 would have cost a month's wages, is 50 times faster today and one thirtieth of the cost. In the 1950s, it took 30 minutes of work to earn the price of a McDonald's cheeseburger. Today, it takes three minutes. Besides healthcare and education, few things cost more than they did 50 years ago, at least in terms of hours worked. Looking back at 1920, most luxuries of the day would be described as below the poverty line by today's standards. Today in America's designated poor areas, 99% have electricity, running water, flushing toilets, and a refrigerator. Even J.P. Morgan, for most of his life, couldn't have said the same. This growth is not just limited to America. All throughout Europe, Africa, and Asia, electricity, refrigerators, and running water can be seen in even some of the most rural villages. Entrepreneurs, whether in the form of business owners, scientists, artists, engineers, inventors, or teachers have given us clean water, higher literacy rates, new technology, and medical advancements. At the turn of the century in 2000, compared to just 50 years earlier, quality of life had increased significantly in terms of money earned, 
calories consumed, and life expectancy. As Matt Ridley documents in The Rational Optimist, how prosperity evolves, humans were less likely to die as a result of war, murder, childbirth, accidents, tornadoes, flooding, famine, whooping cough, tuberculosis, malaria, diphtheria, typhus, typhoid, measles, smallpox, scurvy, or polio. Literacy had increased. Education had flourished and technology become prevalent, whether in the form of telephones, toilets, or refrigeration. And that is all in the last few generations. <laughs> the rate of progress and development by any standard is an astonishing achievement. And it's that progress that's at stake for our future generations if the entrepreneurs of today, people like you and me, don't find the courage to start. The watch manufacturer Patek Philippe has one of the greatest marketing taglines in the world. You never actually own a Patek Philippe. You merely look after it for the next generation. Entrepreneurs also never really own entrepreneurship. They merely look after it for the next generation. As a father of three children, my role is to help them become a better version of themselves while I become a better version of myself. As a good entrepreneur, my role is to help the next generation become more successful than my own. All the innovation we enjoy today, the progress we live through, the communities we have, they came about because someone was willing to have the courage to be the risk bearer. Our responsibility is to honor the risk they took by acknowledging the shoulders that we are standing on. The power of entrepreneurship has not only been harnessed by these people that we know so well, it has also been harnessed by millions of other people you've never heard of. Some of these people have been quietly running successful businesses for decades. I've met, coached, talked to, and interacted with thousands of entrepreneurs all over the map. And I can tell you with confidence that all of them experienced the transformative process of entrepreneurship. They were changed. They had the courage to bear the risk and they received the reward of the journey. Keep starting. After the airline I co-founded was acquired, I forced myself to take several years off before starting a new venture so that I could reflect on my own journey. Through hard work and the help of several kind and intentional souls, I was able to remove many of my blind spots and see the truth of my situation. During my journey, I thought I was holding the weight of the world on my shoulders and it was slowly crushing me. As C.S. Lewis said, prosperity knits a man to the world. He feels that he is finding his place in it while really it is finding its place in him. I had let the entrepreneurial journey and the accompanying prosperity become my identity and it nearly ended my marriage, a handful of relationships, and any hope of leaving a lasting legacy. Why am I confessing this to you? Because I want to make sure that the same doesn't happen to you. Or if it does, you're able to come out on the other side stronger for it, at the very least. In order to be the good entrepreneur the world needs, we have to focus on where we begin. Again and again and again, we'll find ourselves starting over along the way. Over and over and over, we'll have to dig deep to find the courage to keep starting. The good entrepreneur doesn't just find the courage at the start of their journey. They find it every step of the way, and they let it be the momentum that carries them forward. If you are in the middle of your journey and the road has twisted unexpectedly, you might feel lost and ready to abandon your journey. I see you. I really see you like I've been there. I have been where you are. I've stood where you're standing. 
Most of us are walking in the dark, arms outstretched, just hoping not to fall off a cliff. We all need courage in these moments. Or if you're writing the obituary of your failed venture, I salute you. It took tremendous courage to start, continue, and finally shut the door on your dream. Know that Walt Disney was fired from one of his jobs because he, quote, lacked imagination and had no good ideas. How'd you like to be that guy that fired him? And Oprah Winfrey was fired from one of her first TV jobs because she was, quote, unfit for television. I mean, what were these people thinking? Your courage to start proves you have what it takes to start again. Or if you have finished the first major part of your journey and you're trying to make sense of everything that's happened so far, know that I see you too. Remembering your own journey and reflecting on the decisions you've made along the way takes courage in that moment too. Every good entrepreneur longs to live a life of meaning, to leave a legacy that makes the world better. And every good entrepreneur's road begins with the courage to start. Okay, so here's the deal. At the end of all these chapters, I've got some homework. Some are in-depth, some are simple, but they are um, uh, little tasks, if you will, things I just want you to pause and think about. You can go to my website and download these as well so you can have them. I highly encourage you to get a journal and do these exercises in the same journal. It will be a gift that you're giving yourself 10 years older that you can look back and reflect back on the questions or things that I'm going to ask you to go do, some of which will most likely be pretty impactful on the trajectory of your life. So here's the first one at the end of the chapter homework, real versus ideal life. So what do we do if we want to be good entrepreneurs? Where do we find the courage to start? Well, the first thing we need to do is take account of where we are. This is a real simple one to start with. Take out your journal, find a blank piece of paper, and draw a horizontal line. To the left of the horizontal line, write the word real, R-E-A-L. And on the other end, write the word ideal, I-D-E-A-L. Now, here's the hard part. Consider where you are right now in your life on that line. The ideal self over on the right-hand side is the person who you'd like to be. The real self is the person that you actually are. Be honest. Although most of us long for the ideal, that may be plenty of money, time to meditate, a happy spouse and kids, supportive friends, a benevolent inner judge. Man, the inner judge is nasty sometimes. Openness, creativity, and love. The truth is we all tend to be living further from the ideal than we'd like. So many of us aren't anywhere near where we want to be in our lives. We're living in the gap between real self and our ideal self. And this is causing an incongruent life. We experience congruence when our real self and our ideal self are closely related. High congruence leads to a greater sense of self-worth and a healthy, productive life. Now, once you've made that decision, really thought about it, like gone for a walk or meditated on it or just asked some people about it maybe. Now make a mark on the line where you are right now on the journey from ideal to reality. We now have a starting place so that we can know where we are working from. And be honest, no one's going to read this. If your line is not near the ideal side of the line, that is the right side, this is the moment where you have to choose courage over fear. We could deny there's a gap in our lives between where we are and where we want to be. We could attempt to rely on sheer willpower to close the gap because that always works so well for us. We could judge ourselves critically for our perceived failures 
or fall into despair that we can't make the ideal real. Or we could find the courage to get real, to simply start, to keep starting as many times as it takes. If you have never walked this journey before, I'm going to ask you to trust me on this one. At this point in the journey, you can't script what's going to happen to you. You can't force an outcome. You can't manipulate your way to your ideal life. You have no choice but courage here. And the good entrepreneur chooses courage, not just for their own sake, but for the sake of others. This is the moment in the entrepreneurial journey in which the gift of entrepreneurship begins to reveal itself to you. Because courage doesn't come easy. And that means you'll need help to find it. So if you're struggling to find the courage to start, ask someone to come alongside you as you go. If the line you created is close to the ideal, congrats, that's amazing. You've become what many wish to become. Now your job is to continue to find ways to grow, stretching yourself into places you've never gone. As you do, you also need to find ways for helping others on their journey. The framework in this book can be used as a filter for helping you determine how to best do so. All right, see you in the first chapter. Well done.